guys, it's Cenk. We dug up this interview from a few years back and we thought you will really enjoy it. So take a listen. Welcome to TYT Interviews. I'm Anna Kasparian and we have a legendary guest with us today and it's a real honor to be able to talk to you. It's John Densmore from The Doors. He was the drummer for The Doors. He's also an author, a political activist, a professional dancer as well on top of everything from what I've read. So you're kind of an incredible person to be talking to right now and I feel really, really proud to be here. Thank you, Anna. Uh, and I'm still alive. <laughs> well, you're you're actually relatively young. I mean, you're only uh, I believe you just you. turned 69. Uh, I'll be 70 this year. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, I wasn't a dancer. I was drumming for a dance company. Oh, I, I see. I mean, they got me to jump around a little. Dabble bit. a little with the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fun. I actually did dance for uh, 17 years. Oh. And I focused primarily on ballet, but you know, I have a lot of. Uh, love for people who uh, at least attempt to dance because it is a difficult thing to do and get involved in. All right, so you uh, have just written a book that seems fascinating. It's about the doors. It's called The Doors Unhinged. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Briefly, um, the late, great Ray Manzarek, our keyboard player, and Robbie Krieger, our guitar player, um, kind of ran off with the name. And... Uh, they did one gig, and I was cool with that. And then they did a whole tour, and I called them and said, "What? Uh, what, what changed the name? I mean, the Doors without Jim is like the Stones without Mick. That's ludicrous. Let alone yours truly." Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't. And so I had to uh, enter a legal struggle, mm -hmm. and I got uh, Jim's estate to join me, which pleased me very much. A very interesting story. Uh, Jim's dad was an admiral, and he was commanding battleships in the Gulf of Tonkin when we were riding the unknown soldier against the war. And Jim actually said his parents were deceased in his original bio. That's, uh, wow. that's cutting the umbilical cord, huh? Oh, absolutely. And so here comes this 86-year-old man to stand with me to hold up his son's legacy from being messed with. Right, absolutely. Very touching. I can totally understand that. Why is it that they decided to go forward with a tour, not only using the name of the band, the original band, but also without you? What was that about? Well, I chose not to play. Mm -hmm. I, why would I want to do the songs with a gimitator? Mm -hmm. Oh, gimitator, I <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. I love the authenticity that you're pushing for. That's really uh, important. I, I, you know, if Jim came back, I'd be there in a New York minute, but I did it with the man. Mm -hmm. So uh, what excites me is uh, new stuff. And, uh, you know, I've played recently with the African musicians and Iranian musicians, and, and it rearranges my brain cells, and it's stimulating. Yeah, like so that. you're open to new experiences and yeah. trying unique It's unique my ways. passion, you know. I, Definitely. I don't care how, what the size of the audience, if I'm getting off, you know. Yeah. So talk to, me what, talk to me about what it was like to form The Doors. I mean, legendary band, you know, when we talked about you coming into the studio today, you know, a few faces lit up because they were so excited about it. I mean, you guys will go down in history as one of the most legendary bands in American history. And what was it like to get together and create the type of music you created? Originally, we were a garage band, uh -huh. you know, and Jim couldn't sing, and but he had words that were just magic. Right. I, I heard rhythms immediately. Um, 
And we slowly evolved and became the house band at the Whiskey. And then uh, I got a record deal and Light My Fire was number one for 26 weeks. And it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's been downhill ever since. My favorite song is L.A. Woman. Every time it comes oh. on, I get a little proud because I'm an L.A. woman, you know? And I'm like, yes, exactly. this is the yeah. jam. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite <laughs> proud of that song as well. Yeah. It was our last album, and we kind of got back to our roots. Definitely. All right, well, let's talk about politics a little bit, because you're politically inclined, which you don't yeah. see a lot um, with performers and public figures. I think a lot of people in the entertainment industry get really uncomfortable when it comes to talking about politics, but you've been very politically active. Name one political issue that you feel passionately about. Well, uh, the undercurrent of this book is currency. Mm-hmm. And currency comes from the word current. So currency is supposed to flow. And uh, as I write, money's like fertilizer. When hoarded, it stinks. When spread around, things grow. Mm-hmm. And if these corporate beaver CEOs keep damming up the flow with hoarding, uh, that's what we got. Mm-hmm. Feudalism. So you had a very principled stance when it came to Cadillac. And I want to share that with the audience. Cadillac wanted to use um, some of your music, and they offered $15 million in order to do so in one of their commercials, and you turned that down. Why was that? Yeah, well, my knees were kind of weak when I did. (laughs) I can Uh, imagine. My knees were weak when I read that story. I couldn't believe it. um, Okay, so got to back up. Uh, Jim said, I don't know how to write songs. I don't know how to play a chord on any instrument. But I got these words and melodies. Let's share everything. Teach me how to write. Let's even give the lyric credit to the doors, not me. And let's have veto power Uh, in case anybody gets weird. So um, I became Mr. Veto. Mm -hmm. Uh, Early on when he was alive, there was a, a... offer of come on Buick light my fire (laughs) (laughs) and he went ballistic I'm very proud that the first sentence of this book is uh, is the F word him yelling that at us because um, he he primarily did not write those words Uh, Robbie wrote light my fire he he wrote our love become a funeral pyre and Robbie wrote the rest so Anna, what does that say about what he feels about the whole catalog, the whole what we mean, the whole thing? Doesn't want it polluted. Mm-hmm. So he's no longer with us. I'm I'm gonna stick with my ancestors' wishes and fight for not doing that. And he also said, you know, let's split all the money. Uh-huh. Well, you know, the other guys like me have a nice house and some groovy cars. Mm-hmm. So. I said, I say no. It, it's it's hard, but and, and a new band trying to pay the rent. I get that. Do right. a commercial, but uh, but you guys were already comfortable at that point, sure. and you made the decision to not allow your music to become commercialized in such a way. Yeah, break on through to a new deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that though. I love that because your music hasn't been polluted by. How, how about? Products. Love me two times because I just took Viagra. <laughs> uh huh. No. You're not into it. Forelli Tires uh, used some of your music and okay. you regretted that. Yeah. Busted, busted. Busted. I did my research. One Mr. commercial. Densmore. 
Yeah, one commercial we okayed in England only, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Riders on the Storm for Pirelli. And I, Jim's ghost got to me right away, and I gave the money to charity or radical charity. What um, was the radical charity? Uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I bring that up because, see, um, when, you, when you don't have a case, you character assassinate. And so we had a contract saying we all own the name together. Uh, so in there, I write about how they started attacking me as being a, you know, I wrote for the nation, a liberal paper, and Kami uh, Pinko, and, you know, an uh, anarchist, and to the ludicrous point of, <laughs> it's funny now, uh, Mr. Dinsmore, um, well, this is the anniversary of some, something terrible that happened in our country, 9-11. Yeah, this is terrible, huh? Did you fund Al-Qaeda, Mr. Dinsmore? Who accused you of that? The prosecutor. Uh-huh. And the judge is going, stop it, this is... You know, what did that have anything to do with the it's, case? It's to make the judge or the jury feel like I'm, I'm some kind of uh, liberal, mm -hmm. God forbid, or, you know... Do you feel that liberal has become a dirty word in well, America? Well, it was years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, now it's the S word, socialism or whatever. Oh, well, we have a socialist know. president, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh, God. I, you know, think about it. I mean, I got the brass ring with the doors in my 20s. Why didn't I flip over and vote Republican from then on? I've been voting against my own economic interests for a long time. What's that about? Mm -hmm. It's almost like the poor folks who are working class and propagandized to vote against theirs as well. Yeah, it's so, weird. so elaborate on your political views well, a little I'm, you more. Know, I'm just thinking yeah. about it's a hierarchical world. The playing field will never be completely level. Mm -hmm. You look at nature, you know, or, or metaphorically, there's always going to be doctors and nurses. Well, but if the doctors spread the dough around, I, I mean, I don't mean them particularly, I, I mean them as a metaphor. If they spread the dough around a little more and were nicer to the nurses, it'd be nicer. And mm -hmm. so uh, what so, else can one do? So income inequality is something that you are very passionate about. We were talking about it before the interview started. And you kind of elaborated on how, you know, the wealthy hoard the money. How would you like to see the system change? So, for instance, uh, one thing that we advocate for on the Young Turks is, you know, as, as middle-class Americans, we pay a certain amount of our income into the tax system, um, but wealthy people have loopholes that they get to take advantage of. Uh, would you want to see a change in the way our tax code is? Would you get rid of corporate tax loopholes? What do you see as the most egregious element of our economy? Well, I'm, I'm not a... I'm a musician, not mm -hmm. a pundit politician. Right. Uh, I just know that uh, the middle class is the glue between the upper and lower. And, and if it shrinks, then you have friction and you have gated communities and poor people in jail and intercoms and it's separate. And it, that's uh, ingredients for violence. So Venezuela would be an example of that, where there's high crime, there's high pro poverty, uh, people are upset about it, understandably so. And that's an issue that you've been paying attention to as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I wrote a couple pieces on Gustavo Dudamel, the L.A. Phil's wonder king conductor, just 
He reminds me of Bob Marley. The two of them, when they're playing the music or he's conducting, every fiber of their body is, is the music, is the orchestra, just it. It's just thrilling. And so, you know, Gustavo was under pressure now to uh, say something about his government in Venezuela, who are kind of uh, oppressing protesters and whatever. Um, by the same token, there's a music program called El Sistema that came out of Venezuela, you know, during Hugo Chavez, you know. Out of the axis of evil came the greatest musical educational program in the history of culture of the world. It is just staggering. They have lifted 400, 500,000 kids with the philosophy of you get an instrument in the hands of a kid early enough, they won't pick up a gun. Mm -hmm. And, oh my God, I mean, just like uh, I'm jumping now, but Scandinavia certainly can teach us how to not have huge debts for our college kids. And I mean, can't we look around? Mm -hmm. There's so much out there that's working. And man, Venezuela is just astounding with this music. That's just interesting. Staggering. So, so staggering. You know, we, can we can use their program on music. You can look at Portugal and what they did with drugs. Mm. You can look at um, you know, uh, Norway with what they do with yeah. their prison system and how right. they uh, rehabilitate people. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel as though in the United States there's this element of we're better than everyone else, even though our policies don't work as well as the policies that you see in other countries. And do you, do you see that as a problem? Is that like a mentality that we can somehow change through culture? Culture, through pop culture, how do you how do you reach well, out to people? Uh, first of all, we're better than everyone else. Um, Are we? I'm. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I was accused of being unpatriotic because I wasn't greedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had something really brilliant to say. God damn it. You've been saying nothing but brilliant things, so you have nothing to worry about. Um, so if, if you don't mind me jumping back to uh, your experience with The Doors, you know, I like to ask our uh, guests some inappropriate questions. Are oh. you okay with that? Are you okay with inappropriate uh, questions? I might not answer, but You don't have try to answer if, you, if it's too uncomfortable. So I always wonder about what the culture was like with these legendary bands, right? So you, talk, you hear about experimentation with LSD. And it's, it's just fascinating because, you know, we, ha we live in this country where all of these drugs are completely banned. But so many geniuses, whether it's in the music world or the scientific world, experimented with these drugs. Like, like Freud, for instance. Um, so many researchers, Thomas Edison even experimented with cocaine. And so what are you saying? Drugs so, lead to creativity, Anna? Yes, I am saying that. <laughs> I am saying that. So I want to know what your experience was because I'm not okay. going to buy for a all second right. that you were all clean. Right. Okay, um, we were experimenting with LSD mm -hmm. when it was legal mm -hmm. in 65. And uh, we kind of considered ourselves sort of like street scientists exploring the mind with psychedelics. Um, then cocaine came along. Even Jim thought, well, that's kind of, isn't that like heroin? That's heavy. And then that became cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we dabbled, but it wasn't my cup of tea, certainly. Um, it's bizarre to tea? think that, uh, you know, back then we thought a couple of years pot will be legal. What are we, well, 50 years later, maybe we're finally stumbling into, 
you can't legislate morality. Exactly. I agree with that so. 100%. What was your experience on LSD like? <laughs> well, it was before I even tried pot, and I was out in Topanga Canyon, beautiful mm -hmm. area. Yes. And so it was very, uh, I saw God in every leaf, you know, it was nurturing. Mm -hmm. And I took it a few more times. And then uh, Art Linkletter's daughter fell out of a tree or something, and the concept of bummer came into my consciousness. <laughs> I can imagine. And I stopped, you know. That was it. That's but, all it but took it for you certainly, to stop. Uh, I would say jump-started uh, the idea that this moment right here, right now, is not the only reality there is. And I don't, you can't be in the other reality all the time, or it's sh too shattering on the nervous system. But it's nice to know there's something different. And that's what led me to get into meditation, which is a you know, slower, longer, hopefully conscious-raising path. Are you still doing meditation? Sure. Interesting. So how long have you been doing that? 50 years. I, so I do yoga and, and meditation. Yeah. Do you do it in, uh, in addition to yoga or is it just something you do by itself? No, I've done yoga every day for my whole life. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, do, I, I used to meditate twice a day for years and now I just sort of, you know, when I'm going to sleep and waking up, I kind of drift into there. So talk to me about Jim a little bit and, and what it was like for you to find out that he had passed in the way that he did. I mean, an autopsy was never performed, which I think is very, very strange. Um, and of course, there, <laughs> he there's died speculation. A... <laughs> I know. I know he died, but, you know, there's speculation yeah, yeah, yeah. about I know. I mean, overdose. he was just this wild guy who, who uh, you know was capable of faking his own death and going off to an island. But in fact, he had a disease called alcoholism. Yeah. And, and we didn't have substance abuse clinics, and we didn't know that. And I knew there was an elephant in the room, but uh, didn't know what to do about it. I mean, I, I quit and then came back the next day, because how could I give up uh, my path in music, which I love so much? And Jim was one of those guys who... Creativity and self-destruction came in the same package. Mm -hmm. uh, Picasso lived in 90. He, you know, there's different roads. That was him. Do you feel like he fit the role of the tortured artist? You know, sometimes the most creative minds, the most uh, legendary creators, whether it's music or art, uh, are the ones who have tortured souls. I'd say one of his lines of poetry was... Uh, I have a splitting headache from which the future is made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, wish, uh, I wish I had brought a drum. Damn it. Um, <laughs> that would be pretty badass. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I do some of his poetry and drum. Mm -hmm. uh, this would be good for here. Let me think. Let's see if I can conjure this up. An excerpt from American Prayer. Uh, do you know the warm progress under the stars? You know we exist? Have you forgotten the keys to the kingdom? Have you been born yet? And are you alive? Let's reinvent the gods, all the myths of the ages. Celebrate symbols from deep elder forests. Have we forgotten the lessons of the ancient war? Do you know that we are being led to slaughters by placid admirals and that fat, slow generals are getting obscene on young blood? Wow. I'm sick of doubt. 
Sick of dour faces staring at me from the TV tower. I want roses in my garden bower. Dig royal rubies. Oh, great creator of being, grant us one more hour to perform our art and perfect our lives. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really powerful. And, and so, oh, I, I, now I'm, mm -hmm. I'm flashing back to what I wanted to say earlier. Uh, grant us one more hour to perform our art and perfect our lives. When, when economies are struggling, you don't cut the arts, you fund it more because the arts uh, help one imagine new ideas, imagination, the future, you know? All right, I'm on the soapbox, and we all know we need to cut no. the friggin' military, but that, right. that, that's what makes me crazy. Is uh, 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 Brazil has a minister of culture, Gilberto Gil, incredible Brazilian artist, was the minister of culture. You know, on the level with the minister of defense, and da-da-da-da. I mean, I know Quincy Jones is trying to lobby Obama, and, and as I said before we started taping, Obama won't return my calls anymore. Talk about that a little bit. So, so no, 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 I, li I like that right, drama. So, so uh, my jazz group, Tribal Jazz, played a fundraiser for Obama at uh, Crenshaw High. He just threw his hat in the ring. No security. We hung. I said, uh, you know, I got a star on Hollywood Boulevard and inducted in the Rock Hall of Fame, and I'm, 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 I'm more excited to be he here with you today. And, and, you know, it was great. Um, then he got elected. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... <laughs> no, no, no. Who's John uh, Densmore? Well, no, you know, I mean, I still love the guy, but Do I, you, though? Well, uh, hey... Uh, Love yeah, is a yeah, very strong I, word. Yeah, it is. I know. So I know. talk to me about his presidency. Wait, wait. I mean, is, I, was I know, there anything that kind of disappointed you? And you can, oh, other than him kidding? not returning your calls All after he got elected? Stuff. <laughs> okay, give oh, me an example. I can't. There's, it's, you, everything you, uh, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, well, the audience just, knows what my why I'm disappointed, but I'm sure they want to know why I, you're I disappointed. Just, you know, I, it's like, I don't like being practical, and that's how it's been. I, I had fights with... Uh, other famous lefty uh, artists who were voting for Nader, and I was voting for Gore. <sighs> Trying to be practical. Mm -hmm. But um, as, as we said before the taping, if Romney was in, we would have bombed Iran and uh, God knows what else. And so, all right, let's have a woman although she's more of a hawk than him. Oh, my Thank you. God. Yes, I'm glad that you, oh you mentioned that. I think God. a lot of people will play oh. for either Team Blue or Team Red. And I would love the idea of electing a woman. However, ideology is much more important than what your gender is or what your skin color is. I know. So, I mean, you'll probably be frustrated like uh, uh, Dr. Cornell West, you know, uh, 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 a dark-skinned brother of his is president, and he's pretty pissed off about it. And what he, you know, the drones and all that. And I get it. Oh, I don't know. So you're very. We just inch along, don't we? We do. But you know and what? Uh, I don't want to sound like an eternal optimist, but uh, Joseph Campbell, a mythologist, said it's it's joyful participation in the sorrows of the world. So you know, you fight the good fight. Mm -hmm. you, you, what else do you do? And, and if it doesn't seem like you're making much ground, 
there's a bigger picture, but... What do you think about civil disobedience? Well, uh, I got busted. I mean, I'm for it. <laughs> it's democracy. Yeah. It, it, it's, I don't like the battening on the heads. I mean, you know, but I mean, aren't we... I, I spoke at uh, Occupy Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street, Occupy L.A. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, let me say, I, you know, folk, oh, the Occupy movement failed, or the 60s failed, nada. Uh, the, the idea that there is 1% running the 90% is kind of a thing in the global consciousness now. That was planted. That's good. Yeah, so who they knows, changed the discourse a little who, bit. Yeah, and who knows how that will surface or whatever. And as far as the 60s, um, the seeds of civil rights feminism, peace, were planted. They're big seeds, big, wonderful, idealistic, you know, and maybe, maybe it takes 50 or 100 years to get full fruition. So stop complaining and get out your watering can, you know? Don't diss the 60s or the Occupy movement. Let's move on and, and be civilly disobedient. Talk to me a little bit about contemporary music. Are there any current bands that you listen to and you're a fan of, or do you listen to the stuff today and just think like, nah? I, I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm really into words. I love, I got C's in English and now I write and I'm voracious. I'll tell you, what did I just read? Salman Rushdie's memoir. God, it's in the third person. I have two, not one, but two self-centered memoirs. That's the second. Mm -hmm. And he said, I met him, uh, he wrote a third person. He did this, he did that, because he felt it was too arrogant. To, and I've got two books. I did this, I did that. But, you know, uh, and folks say that that book of his, Anton, what's it called? Oh, it, it's his alias when he was uh, hiding out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one for Anton Chekhov, the other for Joseph Conrad. That's the title. Um, I'll read. It, people say that the, you know it's not as good as his novels. I'll read a paragraph in that book, in the memoir, and I know in my entire life I will never be able to write a paragraph so beautiful. You're too so hard that's on what, yourself. Well, I, I, this guy's a genius. It feeds me because I, I like words now. Yeah. Do you look back at your youth at all and wish that you did anything differently? Uh, maybe you lived a little crazier. Maybe you, huh. you calmed down a bit. Is there anything from your past that you wish you could change? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I hope that I would learn from what I've done and change. Uh, but if I changed it, then I wouldn't be who I am now. And I'm kind of feel pretty good about things. So mm -hmm. there. What was it like to be such a tremendously famous band and have groupies follow you guys around all over the place? Did you ever give in to temptation? <laughs> oh, um, the lead singer had that bright spotlight. I was just on this edge of... Got, you were the drummer of one of the biggest bands. a little. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, uh, or, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the reason we're still around is the drumming. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also, keep in mind, groupies don't discriminate. You know? You're, you're in one of the biggest bands. They're down. Yeah, well, you know... Um, 
Um, You're being very I'm, diplomatic I'm, uh, in your my answer. My girlfriend and I have been together eight years. We're very, very happy. Diplomatic We're very diplomatic in your happy. answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't doubt that you have a lovely relationship now, but you know. Uh, well, maybe I picked up some cr- crumbs that Jim left. I'm not kidding. Oh, that was terrible. Sexist. I don't blame you. I, I, you already answered uh, quite a bit. All right. I love it. I love it. And I love that you're politically active. You know, do you wish that more musicians used their, um, you know, their position in the public spotlight to raise more awareness for political issues? Eh, I wish, but I mean... Uh, before I got into words, I wasn't that articulate. I, Jim was incredibly well-read, and, and, and musically, I, knew, I was really uh, steeped in all kinds of music, classical, and marching band, dance band, and so I knew how to support him. Um, maybe uh, not musicians, but... Uh, I'm on acid now. <laughs> Cut. Uh, what was your question again? So what was acid like? No, no. Cut. <laughs> Ooh, you're terrible. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I had a good, it went. I don't even you know, remember I don't what even get high anymore and I can't about... remember. It's, this is not a pot, short-term memory thing. What, what was your question? I don't even remember what we were talking about <laughs> you before see, you mentioned You're high. <laughs> no, I am not high. No, that but, was. But, do yeah. I wish that. Um, oh, yeah. Do you wish that public figures or musicians or artists use their position in order to raise awareness about political issues or certain injustices that we see in society today? Well, certainly I wish that. Uh, but, but, you know, some people are not comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so you don't begrudge you, them? No. You do what you can do. Oh, here, it's back. Maybe, I didn't know when I wrote this book, but maybe, maybe it's for Republicans, mm-hmm. rich ones, you know? Uh, I'm trying to be an example of being a little more... Do you think your book will resonate with rich Republicans? Because you you have well, a very, you know, anti-corporate message. I know, I know, but... um uh, <laughs> I told my publicist that uh, when I was in the middle of this horrendous trial, I was surfing the television and I stopped on Bill O'Reilly and he was saying, well, I just saw the doors, the new incarnation, and, I, and uh, it wasn't so good. And I thought, well, Bill and I are bonded. Mm-hmm. I didn't think we had anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I should go on his show. <laughs> Did you go on a show? No, but I you might. You totally should. I might. You totally should. What the hell? I mean, and he, I'm going to say, you know, this is for, you know, this is for rich Republicans. It's, it's spread the fertilizer around a little more. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. You know, what is it? What is it about American culture that causes the top one percent to want to hoard all that wealth? I mean, do you think that that is a symptom of capitalism that you would see in any other country, or do you think that it's unique to American culture? Any country. I think um, uh, some folks, hoarders, have hallucinations that they, they can get a, a casket about as big as a, a cruise ship to fit all that stuff in. And, and it's really complicated because um, if you give your, 
kids too much dough, they lose their path. That doesn't do it, you know? So uh, They never really get to explore what their identity yeah, is either yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're handed all this money. Right. Part of finding your identity is going out there and yeah. trying to earn a living on your own. Yeah, so that isn't so good. Having right. so much that you know, I don't think they everyone see it that has way. the golden spoon. That then, uh, excuse my language, but I, I for the wealthiest people that do hoard their money, I think it's a you know whose dick is bigger contest, right? So I know I can get a little dirty. Are you you can say fuck on this show, right? <laughs> I can say whatever I want. <laughs> okay, well let's do it all over again. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. It's kind of like in the 60s, those posters they had of, uh, oh, I'm going to get it now. Was it Reagan? Where he, they had missiles coming out of his crotch. You know, oh. I mean, uh, I, I the bigger the bombs or the bigger the bank account, the bigger the dick, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with it. But it is refreshing to see someone like you who's willing to turn down $15 million um, from a company that wants to use your music, but you're just against it. Anna, so. I have no problem with my dick. Yeah. All right. Okay. You get it. Get it. Oh, we do we're you. in trouble now. <laughs> no, no, no. That's good. That's good. You're confident in that I said, area. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to break on through to Viagra. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, uh, such a pleasure talking to you. Really You're fun. such a fascinating person uh, with principles and, you know, political views that I, that I absolutely agree with and honor talking to you. Um, everyone should definitely check out your book, The Doors Unhinged, where he talks um, specifically about the, the court battle uh, that you, you know, talked hey, about a little bit in this interview. Me, I, I don't want to end now. Mm -hmm. Let me uh, say I have a similar path as Sink. You know, he gets kicked off of MSNBC. Mm. I had a big New York pub house putting this book out. Mm -hmm. And then they said, uh, you need to write more about Jim. And I said, huh? Uh, Riders on the Storm was a bestseller. You can pick it up. No, no, there's more stories. You know, they wanted dirt. They wanted dirt. And, and then they said they didn't like the title, The Doors Unhinged. I said, what do you mean? It's provocative. Too negative. Well, it's about a struggle, a trial. Yeah. So I left and I put this out myself. And like Jane, gosh, I'm doing really well doing it my way. Yeah. As he and you guys are. Get it. So, I yo, sister. It. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on. Okay. And everyone, check out his book. Uh, we will provide a link to Amazon. You can uh, check it out that way. And uh, we will see you soon. <laughs>